Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Walt and I have enjoyed this podcast season, Life's Journeys. And you know, today we are going to close out this season as we seek to summarize the life of Paul. How in the world do you do that? <laughs> oh, about three more seasons worth. Yes. His life is filled with many journeys, um, beginning with his zeal to persecute the believers in Jerusalem, and then, of course, his famous road to Damascus experience. Well, after Paul had returned to Jerusalem from Damascus, he continued to learn and grow in his newfound faith in Jesus. His entire life was changed. The purpose of his journey was rerouted. His life was changed. His journey was changed. And he was now called to be a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, remember, we touched on this. God actually said he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And he said, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And that was in Acts 9. The persecutor Saul has now become a chosen instrument of God, one used to be used for God's purposes. And Saul's name changed to Paul. And Paul was then greatly persecuted for the sake of the Lord's name, just as he had brought suffering into the lives of other believers now Paul was going to suffer. And where we see that is in these missionary journeys. And there is no way that we can even begin to cover the missionary journeys. I have, as we've gone through just our different classes, while in the past I was in Bible college, we both in Bible college and seminary covers chapters in the book of Acts, and they are marvelous. It's wonderful to track them on the map and see where Paul is and what's happening. But I'm just going to give you a summary. We're going to hold on, like put your seatbelt on here as we run through this. That first missionary journey we see in Acts 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas become partners, missionary partners, and they travel from Antioch in Syria. They then go into Asia Minor. They actually go to the local synagogues. They preach to the Jews first. Now, some Jews did receive Jesus as that gospel message, but many Jews rejected the gospel of Jesus. And so Paul began to share the good news with the Gentiles. And even on this first missionary journey, Paul was imprisoned, beat, he was stoned, thrown out of the city walls and left for dead. But God spared his life and Paul continued to share the good news. 
And then we continue into a second missionary journey, and that begins in Acts 15, and you can follow that through to chapter 18. He now has come back to Antioch, and he spent some time there helping that church grow for the believers to mature and teaching them. But then as the second journey began, Paul partnered with Silas, and Barnabas partnered with John Mark. There was a little bit of a a problem there between them, but God used it. Even though it was a trouble, he split them, and now there were two missionary groups going out. And Paul and Silas went up into Asia Minor. The Holy Spirit, in this particular journey, he directed Paul to cross the Aegean Sea and go over into Greece. They arrived, in fact, in Philippi, where they met the businesswoman named Lydia. And a couple uh, podcasts ago, we, we shared the sweet story of Lydia, a woman who believed in God but had not heard the full good news message. Well, Paul and Silas were beaten in Philippi, if There you seems remember. to be a reoccurring theme here. <laughs> yeah, well, God had said he will suffer much yeah. for my name's sake, right? And Paul and Silas were actually thrown in prison after that beating in Philippi. But the amazing thing, if you recall, at midnight, they rejoiced in their suffering and they sang praises to the Lord. God sent an earthquake and they were free. But they did not flee. Even the jailer believed in Jesus that day. And from there, they continued to Corinth and to Athens, where Paul preached at Mars Hill. And after seeing all the idols to various false gods, Paul boldly declared, there is only one true God. You know, many people believed in Christ. There were new disciples, new followers of Jesus, including Timothy including Lydia, who we've talked about, a married couple, Aquila and Priscilla, and churches were established. That is amazing, the span, those two different missionary journeys. And I'm just going to touch very quickly on his third missionary journey, Acts 18 through chapter 20. Paul preached throughout Asia Minor, went, which would be modern-day Turkey. He also went over across the Aegean Sea once again. But I love this verse in Acts 19.11. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual, which would be out of the ordinary miracles, unusual miracles, powerful miracles that what showed Paul's power? No, showed that God was the power. He's the power behind all the work that Paul was doing. Paul spent several years in Ephesus, you know, while we had the privilege of going to Ephesus a number of years ago, and just what a fabulous city that is. Spectacular. And, and, you know, many came to know the Lord. Priscilla and Aquila ministered there later and helped to build up the church there in Ephesus. Um, But again, uh, Paul, Paul, (laughs) he was facing opposition. He was persecuted. There were many trials in this man's life. All this hardship that Paul endured, his response, his response was praise. It was singing. It was trusting the Lord. All this hardship strengthened 
the Christians, these new believers, and the gospel message spread in Acts 19.20. It says, so the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. You know, Paul, as he was finishing this third missionary journey, it was his desire to get back to Jerusalem before Passover. And he shares these words in Acts 20.24. They have great meaning and are just especially powerful. They are a great summary as he's now finishing his third missionary journey. But my life, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. What is that work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Yeah, and even as you've summarized, you've just summarized almost 18 years of ministry life. <laughs> there um, you go, zoom. In zoom. five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we, we can go through that. But again, he, Paul cannot be overstated as far as his leadership of the church. We could spend months, we could actually spend years more talking about what he did and where he went. The books that he wrote, of the 27 books in the New Testament, 13 are attributed to Paul, and approximately half the book of Acts deals with his life and his works. That's almost half the New Testament is connected with Paul and the people he influenced. Well, we're going to now focus in on one specific story. It's after his third missionary journey, Paul returned to Jerusalem, and his friends and church leaders, they're glad to see him and his ministry companions, but they have a gathering and they meet, and and they're anxious to learn the details of his journey, and he shared with them what God had done among the Gentiles, and they listened with delight, and they praised God for the growing church in Europe. But then several days later, Paul went up to the temple to fulfill a vow, and some Jews from Ephesus, who had been seeing him there, they were there, and they recognized Paul, and they incited the people against him. Really what they said is that Paul brought a Gentile into the court of of Israel, and that was forbidden to do, and he had it. But Paul was grabbed, and they were dragging him out of the temple, and they were going to kill him. But at that point, the Roman commander comes down and, and, and says, you know, stop this riot. And he ordered him bound in chains. And then um, Paul, in the midst of that, as he's about to be um, beaten, he says, I'm a Roman citizen. Can you, can you just beat a man without him appealing to Caesar? And with that, the, the Roman soldiers say, no, we, we can't. As a matter of fact, if we did this, the same thing would be, and worse, would be done for us. Well, so the Lord appeared to Paul at this time, and he said, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. And at this point, you're saying, okay, here, we're going off to Rome. I mean, this will be great. It'll be a quick trip. But that's not exactly what takes place. The Jews there in Jerusalem plan to kill Paul, and they plot, but the Romans hear about it, and they sent him to Caesarea, which is down by the the sea on the Mediterranean Sea, and um, they didn't send him with a guard or two. Um, Acts 23 says the commander called two of his officers, so two officers are going, centurions are going along with him, and and get 200 soldiers ready to leave to Caesarea at 9 o'clock tonight. So they're going to go and make that, that night journey. And also, 200 spearmen and 70 mounted troops. I mean, this is a, a huge group that's taking him there because they've heard that the Jews are going to riot and kill him, and, and it, it will be then their heads on the block. 
So Paul gets to Caesarea, and he eventually he says, "I, I want to be. Uh, I want to appear before Felix, which who was ruling that area." Um, and then the Jewish leaders come down, and I find this interesting. This is Acts twenty four, verse twenty seven, and I find this interesting. I want want to slow down here and talk about it. after two years went by. These two years, he's on his way to Rome. After two years went by, Felix was succeeded by Portus Festus. And, and so we have another Roman ruler coming in. And he, Paul has been in prison now two years. He's a Roman citizen, and he's sitting on a shelf in Caesarea Maritimus, um, Caesarea by the sea. And, and I wanted to stop and say, um, this is disconcerting. Brenda, we've talked about this many times when we've been at Caesarea, but Paul's at the top of his missionary game. I mean, how many churches could he have planted in two years? What other things? How many more books? I mean, what could Paul have done? So many things. And yet he's in Caesarea on house rest, and he's sitting there, and he's waiting for the Roman authorities to to figure out what they're going to do with him. And I guess at this point, it it sometimes, um, I'm going to share a a head-to-heart that's really hard for me to read, and um, and talk about because um, it strikes real close to home. You know, sometimes God allows even his most choice servants, like Paul, to be put on a shelf, um, to be waylaid and not be able to do what they're really good at doing. And they're for purposes that only he, God, knows. Um, and, and Paul's going to tell us he, he has all these credentials, he has all this success, even though he also has been beaten and stoned and so many things. But he has all this ability, and he's just waiting there in Caesarea for two years. And, and that whole idea of, of sometimes, um, after he completed this third missionary journey, Paul's just left. He's, and, and sometimes God does that with his most favorite tools, <laughs> a, a servant of the Lord. Well, and again, it's that whole idea that this is a chosen instrument, that God will use him as he desires. And as you say that, those two years, it just, you know, I, I as we stand in Caesarea and you share these thoughts and these verses with us, the many times we've been in Israel and, and our groups are sitting there with us, that whole idea, it seemed like... Felix was just holding on to Paul and keeping him in house arrest prison because he would bring him in. He thought Paul would bribe him to get, you know, to go free. Um, and he was curious. He was, he was sort of curious about what this message, but we, we never hear that Felix received the Lord or became a believer. But not only did he hear, the, the, the Roman soldiers heard, and there's mm-hmm. a neat story about that, and I won't get into it, but, but Paul was impacting people during this two-year period. But what troubles me is it's not just Paul. I mean, there's other examples. Like Moses spent 40 years as an alien on the backside of the Midianite desert, according to Acts 7 and and Stephen's speech there. I mean, Moses had all this ability, the training, everything, and we talked about that on an earlier journey, and yet God has him there for 40 years. Or David. David's been anointed to be the next king after Saul. And Samuel anoints him, and it's like, okay, we're ready. He's going to spend almost 12 more years being chased and pursued around the desert by by this man that he's been nothing but loyal to. He has opportunities to kill him, but he won't. 
He won't raise a hand against him. And the same thing with Joseph. I mean, we talked about that. Um, Joseph's not only a, a, a slave in a foreign country, he then is thrown in as a slave into a prison in a foreign country. I mean, how much worse can it get than that? And yet at the same time, God sometimes, for his reasons, and in the midst of that, this is the head-to-heart piece that I remind myself, because I've experienced a couple of those put on a shelf years. And and the head-to-heart here for me, and I hope it, it makes sense to you, but in the midst of the uncertainty about what God is doing, we need to do two things. We need to trust that he loves us. We need to trust that he's in control. But we also need to obey. We need to obey his commands. We need to learn from his word. We need to follow after what the Spirit of God is teaching us and what the people of God, mature believers, are pouring into our life. We need to trust and we need to obey. And those two are so important. I I love that old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah, and I love love that head to heart, and I know how many times as we sit there in the amphitheater in Caesarea and we're looking out at the beautiful Mediterranean Sea, can't wait to get back to that place, but we sit there and, you know, it just, I well up with tears and I can do it just thinking about that right now, that God doesn't make mistakes in our lives, right? Yeah. He He chooses, and Paul was chosen by God to share the gospel message of Jesus. He was a chosen instrument, and he did endure much suffering, agony, and pain. And these verses in 2 Corinthians 11 provide a summary of Paul's life. He is actually citing here his apostolic credentials. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? so am I. Are they servants of Christ? And Paul says, I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. In fact, he says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You see, Paul cared about these new believers. He cared deeply for these churches he had planted. Yeah, and and really he's focused on that. As he gives this list of this is what I've done for Christ, he's like, that doesn't matter. What really matters is that I'm caring for the churches. Well, God used Paul's ministry to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and to establish many churches. Through Paul's letters in the New Testament, we're instructed and we're guided in church life and doctrine even today. But his commitment to Christ caused him to sacrifice everything he had previously valued, that all the things that Saul thought were going to be important in his life, they weren't. 
Um, and he says this in Philippians 3, I love this, but whatever again I, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Our lives are filled with many different journeys. Perhaps you're walking a very familiar path right now and you feel confident and strong. Others may be facing difficult struggles, hardship, or just health issues, um, family relationships. And some of us are walking along a new stretch of the path of life. You know, over these past four months, we've opened the Bible and we've looked at some real life examples of people. The stories from their life journeys have given us insight into how we might navigate the miles of our own journeys. Believe it or not, we have only touched the lives of eight people and there are so many more, so much more to glean from the lives of people in scripture. When we walk with God and live our lives to please him, we can stand with Paul and boldly state, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is all we say and do, that everything we do, everything we say will bring glory and honor to Almighty God. Friends, would you plan to join us in November and December as we praise and adore Him? And until we are together again, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.